Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I hope you've had a good week of recovery from the youth meeting. I know it was a lot of work. Um, we're going to go ahead and continue the series we started before the youth meeting, which is talking about success and godliness. And the, the, basically, the, the main thing is how the world defines success versus how God defines success and certain attributes in our life. Well... There we go. All right. We had an update that I was wanting to do, and we just had to postpone it for a little bit. All right. Brother Kyle mentioned Romans 13 in his uh, prayer this morning. This is uh, where we're going to get the main part of our lesson this morning, where we're going to spend the most of our time this morning. And in Romans 13, starting in verse 1, is where we're going to begin, if, if you would like to follow along. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for this from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister to avenge and to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also of conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministries, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So what we're going to talk about this morning is success in submitting to authority. You know, the world has a very different idea of what success and submission is. Uh, that's different than what God has set out for us. You know, worldly success, most people think it probably looks like this. I'm the one in charge and everybody's submitting to me. That's the way I, I define success. If I'm the boss and everybody has to do what I want, then I, I'm a success. I don't have to submit to anybody. I get my way. That makes me successful. Or, the U.S. flag the U.S. is the only country that does not dip its flag to the host country at the Olympics opening ceremonies. When the U.S. flag holder was asked to do so for King Edward VII at the 1908 London Games, he supposedly responded, this flag dips to no earthly king. Man, that's prideful, isn't it? We're not subject to any earthly king. Wow. Really? Is that what the Bible teaches? We're not supposed to be subject to any earthly king? I kind of get what he's saying there. We don't have kings. We have presidents. We're not going to bow to a monarchy. I get that. But the, unfortunately, a lot of people think, I'm not going to bow to the U.S. government. I know better for myself what I'm going to do than what they, they know. But there's a problem inherently inherent with that. If you look in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 13, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as the supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak or vice, 
but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Well, right here, Peter's telling us we're to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And he talks about kings, governors, or those that are sent by kings and governors. And you know, at the end here, he says, honor all people. You know, we can, we can do a pretty good job of that. We can do a good job of honoring people. We can give people honor. We can we do a pretty good job of that. Love the brotherhood. You know, we can love each other. We don't generally have too big of a problem with doing that. That's something that doesn't necessarily cause as much problems to do. Fear God. That one's pretty easy to, to keep if uh, you read how he deals with people that don't fear God. You can, you can kind of relate to that. You can fear God pretty well. Where we can run into problems is where it starts says, honor the king. Well, if he made better laws, I might would. If he was as smart as I, I am, well, yeah, I'd honor him. If he'd quit, quit making those bad laws, bad rulings, yeah, I'd follow him. But what's amazing here is he doesn't say honor the king if he's a good king. <laughs> you think Nero was a good king, a good Caesar? You think he was a good person? No. But this was written around the time of the Roman Empire when the Roman Empire wasn't very friendly to Christians. But yet, Peter's here, here honor the king. And then we go back to Romans 13. Let's, let's break this down a little bit. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. You know, we, we, we're pretty familiar with this. We, we talk about this quite a bit. All authority is set up by God. But sometimes we skip the second part of it, which says, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. If we resist the authority, then we're resist, it's just like we're resisting God. And is that something that we want to be known to do? Is I'm gonna, yeah, I want to resist God. That's something I want to do. I want to go up against God. Yeah, sign me up for that real quick. I want to do that. No, but... If we resist the authority of, that he set over us, then we're just like we're resisting him. And what should be even scarier to that, it says, and those resist will bring judgment on themselves. <laughs> and we all know God's judgment is perfect. <laughs> you know, these kings may not have perfect judgment. The presidents may not have perfect judgment. The rulers of this country may not have perfect judgment. But God's judgment is perfect. And we'll bring judgment on ourselves if we resist these. And continuing on through Romans 13, he says, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do you, do you, do you want to be not afraid of them? Do what is good and you will praise, get, have praise for the same. Do, do good. You know, it's amazing how good people can, how bad drivers become good drivers when there's a cop behind them. Because there's an authority there. That guy has the power to pull me over and give me a ticket and I'll have to pay a fine. So we do good that way. We don't have to worry about that. And what he's teaching here is if we're that way all the time, we don't have to worry. But on the flip side, he says, but if you do evil, be afraid. So if you're not doing what's right, be afraid. Because he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister to avenge and to execute wrath on him who practices evil. 
You know what? We, we have a uh, judicial system in this country that is set up for exactly that. You go before a judge and jury and they try the case, and if you're found to be guilty, you're punished in some way. Punishments can vary depending on what the crime is. But in most states, it can go all the way up to the death penalty. A lot of states are doing, going away with the death penalty, but it, in, in some states, it can go all the way up to the death penalty. And God says, they don't bear this sword in vain. They have the right to this because they're here to punish the evildoers. Them that practice evil. So if they don't bear the sword in vain, then we need to respect the sword. Continuing, he says, Render therefore all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Give the people what they deserve. Give the people the honor they deserve. If, they, if you owe them taxes, give them the taxes, customs, customs, whatever it is that they deserve, we're supposed to render that unto them. And Jesus teaches the same thing here in Matthew 22. If you look at it, then the Pharisees pondered how they might entangle him in his talk. So the Pharisees are sitting around thinking, how are we going to catch this Jesus guy in his talk? And they sent him their disciples, the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. And then they asked him the question, Tell us, therefore, do you think it is lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Nobody wants to pay taxes. <laughs> Today, taxes aren't just as unpopular as they were then. Nobody wants to pay taxes. So they're asking Jesus, well, should we pay taxes to Caesar then? Because the Jews know that the people really don't want to pay the taxes to the Roman government. So they're trying to entangle him where maybe he gets some of these, they get some of these followers away from him when he says, how are we supposed to do this? But Jesus perceived and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. He goes, Show me what you're going to pay the taxes with. Show it to me. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose inscription is this? Who's on here? What? Whose picture? Whose inscription? And they said to him, Caesar. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. He's saying, I, he's saying God has nothing to do with taxes. That's the government. That's whose inscriptions on there. You give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and you give to God what's God's. Jesus didn't give people an excuse to say, oh, no, you don't go have to go pay your taxes. He says, I'm worried about the things that are God's. You give the government the things that are the government's. Well, there are other types of authority that are mentioned in the Bible, not just the government. And we can kind of wrap this all up in the, in the same vein because I believe it all ties together. But there are some other types of authority we're going to submit to throughout the Bible. And you know, as a man, sometimes it's easy to get up here and preach that women ought to be sub subject to their husbands. But then we just kind of ignore all the ones where we're supposed to be subjective in subjection to the government and to the other people that we're supposed to be in subjection to. So let's kind of look at some of these. You know, in Colossians 3 and 20, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. That's a, Whenever you're a child, that is an authority you're supposed to be subject to. You're supposed to obey your parents. 
for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And we have an example of Jesus doing this. If you look in Luke chapter 2, this is where Jesus was left at the temple. And they got off a good ways journey, I don't know. Maybe they thought he was with some relatives in a different part of the caravan, I don't know. But they realized, uh-oh, Jesus isn't here. The Son of God isn't here. What are we going to do? So they go back to Jerusalem and they go into the temple and they find him teaching. And they basically ask him, what are you doing? And he goes, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? But in the, at the end of this story in verse 51, it says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus was even subject to his parents. Even though he was about to be about his father's business, he was subject to his parents. So if Jesus could be subject to his parents, as a child, couldn't you be subject to your parents? That's an authority that's over you. That's an authority that's set up by God over you. Are you in subjection to your parents, or do you fight them at every corner? Do you fight them over every little decision? Well, let's get on to children now, and let's get on to some things that maybe us adults can work on. Colossians 3, 22 and 20 through 25, Bond servants, obey in all these things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for all that he has done, and there is no partiality. Talking about being bond service, talking about who we work for. But he says, don't do it as I service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart. You know, it's really easy to be a good employee when the boss is around. Anytime the boss is riding in my truck or in my bus with me whenever the boss was with me, I, it was really good to follow every little rule that they had. But whenever they're not around, eh, I'll just look like I'm doing it. That's not how we're supposed to be. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I think Brother Matt's going to cover a lot of this with his worth ethic sermon this afternoon, so I don't want to step on his toes too much. But that's an authority we need to be subject to, and not just that we're doing it just to please their eyes, that we're doing it when they're around, but whenever they're not around as well. And he says, and whatever you do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not to men. So as we, we, when we're looking at our bosses, we've got to be thinking, I'm doing this for God, I'm not doing it for the boss here. I'm doing it as I'm doing it for God. Other types of authority, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, this is a, actually a church type of authority we're supposed to be subject to. Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. You know, Matt and Yancey don't leave this congregation just because, hey, somebody needs it. They do it because they're going to have to give account for it, and there's a way they have to do those things. You know, sometimes as a deacon, and Zach and I, and Eddie and I will put some stuff together and give it to the elders, and it might take a little bit to get it back. You know why? Because they're taking the job seriously. They're going to have to give an account for everything they do. And maybe, it's, maybe as a deacon, we just want to be, okay, give me the money so I can go get this because we really need it. And sometimes I think they do it to test my patience, but that's probably not the real reason. They take the job very seriously. But what I want you to notice is it doesn't say obey those who have to rule over you if they make the decisions the way you like them. You know, too much in the, in the church not necessarily our church, but in Christianity today, if a leader's not doing what we think they ought to do, we got the idea, well, we'll just fire them. 
they're not doing it the way I do it. We'll, we'll just get a committee together, remove them, and get somebody else in there that'll do the things we think the way that needs to be done. Well, there's a danger in thinking with that because it says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. You want to you cause the elders grief? It says it will be unprofitable for you. Now, I don't know exactly. There are many ways that could be unprofitable for you. It doesn't tell you exactly how it's going to be unprofitable. But it will be unprofitable for you. It's not going to work out well. You're not going to get much good out of making their lives miserable because they're not doing what you want them to do. And as far as being able to remove them, therefore take heed to yourselves and to the father flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to the shepherd of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, I know this doesn't really talk about submission a lot, but what I want you to notice here is this. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and all to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You know, sometimes we think, we appointed these guys, we can take them out. <laughs> and, we, and we do have a thing where we talk to, the congregations are talked to before elders are put in and things. But at the end of the day, it's not the people that end up putting the elders over the flock. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not something that was set up by man. It's not something that man set up and said this will be a good idea. But again, it was an authority set up by God. And we need to respect that authority. Even if we may not always understand the decisions, we may have done the decision different. You know, my granddad, I was talking to him one time about a decision that he made at Gunner. I go, man, I just don't get it. He goes, well, if you had all the information I had, you might get it a little bit better. You know, sometimes we don't have all the information. But yet we think that we can make these decisions so much better. And I don't think that's necessarily a problem in this congregation. But it's something we need to watch out for. Because they are an authority that is set up by God that we are to be subject to. Even if we don't always understand or maybe even necessarily agree with all the decisions that are made. And part of the thing that could make it unprofitable for you is they're watching out because wolves will come in and not sparing the flock. I believe that's part of the way it could be unprofitable for you to make their jobs a little bit harder. Because if you're making their jobs harder, they're not watching out as much for your soul as they ought to be. If you're making, every, if you're making a challenge for every decision they make, if you're challenging them on every step of the way, they're too busy putting out those fires than watching out at the gates. And they will draw the, the away disciples after themselves. Even among yourselves, men will rise up. Even from inside, men could rise up teaching things that aren't right. And Matt and Nancy here and other congregations, other elders have taken the responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. And we need to respect that authority that God has given to them to do that. Now let's get to God's authority. What kind of authority does God have? Well, let's take a look here. In Acts chapter 5, verses 26 through 32... We find out, then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. They were preaching Jesus, and, they, and the 
Pharisees brought him in and the high priest said, did we not strictly, we were, not only did we not command you to, but we strictly told you not to, preaching this man's name. And what, what I find interesting is the next part of the verse where it says, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Whenever after, before the crucifixion, they're saying, let his blood be on us and our children. Because you're blaming us for all this, and we told you not to do that. This was an authority that was set up by God. The high priest was an authority of God. So how did they respond to this? But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witness to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Is, we ought to obey God rather than men. You know, in my lifetime there have been issues that have came up. In the mid to late 90s, abortion was a huge topic. And I don't agree with abortion. I'll tell you that right now. That's not something I agree with. But I also don't agree with the way with people who proclaim to be Christians handled it either. There were people shooting up doctor's clinics claiming to do it in the name of Christ. And you know what? This right here says you need to obey God rather than men, but it doesn't give you the right to act unchristian-like. Sometimes we think because God's laws are being violated, I can act unchristian-like towards the person that's violating. You know, Peter and the other apostles here didn't claim that these men had no authority over them. What they said was, we ought to obey God rather than men. They weren't disrespectful. They didn't say, when God comes, when Jesus comes back, I'm glad I'm not you. I didn't do... You know, something that's happened more recently is the topic of gay marriage, and I'm not saying I agree with that either. But some of the unchristian behavior that's come out of people claiming to be Christians is just wrong. It's just, it's just not right. You know, there was a lady that was made very famous because she refused to give out marriage license to gay couples. And I'm not saying she was doing anything wrong. It was against her beliefs. I get that. But some of the vehement things that she spewed in some of the videos that came out when she was doing those things, that wasn't Christian-like. That was not something that Christians should go up and say, yes, that's what Jesus would want me to do. Some of the vulgar, obscene things that came out of her mouth weren't right. Sometimes we take the high stand on these moral issues and lose everything else. We get down, we don't love our neighbor. We don't follow the golden rule. We don't treat people the way we would want to be treated. You know, if I'm wrong about something, I want to know it, but I don't want you coming at me, degrading me, telling me how horrible of a person I am. And that's not what God wants to happen either. But we are to obey God rather than men. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. But don't use people that are changing, doing things against God's will as an excuse to be unchristian-like. You know, the person who had the biggest right to be unchristian-like was Jesus. 
He was brought before people for sins, he, for crimes he never committed. And you know what's amazing? He didn't open up his mouth one time in his own defense. And we think that the louder we scream, the more we get even with people, the more we're going to proclaim this meek man's words. I have to be the mouthpiece. I have to be brash. I have to be vocal. I have to be disrespectful to get my way. I have to be unchristian-like to prove how Christ-like I am. <laughs> and that's not what's commanded here. What's commanded here is you obey God, but you keep the Christian part in there as well. You keep the meekness. You keep the humbleness. You keep the love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as they would have them do unto you. You keep all that in there, not just the issue, well, I know abortion is wrong, so I'm just going to stand up and scream as loud as I can, be as ruthless as I can, so everybody knows it as well. <clears throat> God's authority even came to Jesus. Whenever he was in the garden praying, he prayed three times, let this come pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Three times. You know what? He submitted to the will of God. How often can we say we do that? You know, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or is it, I want your will to be done as long as it matches up with my will. You know, whenever, whenever, you both, whenever everybody, everybody agrees on everything, there's no subjection needed. <laughs> Nobody needs to submit. There's no, whenever the authority and the people that are under the authority agree, there's no submission that needs to be made. Because we agree. I agree. That's perfectly illogical. What happens is when the authority has a different opinion than what I have. But so, so many times with God, we try to bring God down to us and make us the, our authority over him. I don't believe in a God that would. I don't believe in a God that would punish people. I don't believe in a God that would do this. I don't believe in a God that would do that. What you're doing at that point is you're putting your beliefs over God and you're putting your authority over God because... At the end of the day, what I believe is more important. <laughs> and you know what the big problem is? You know what the source of all this is? When you're not willing to be subjected to the authorities over you, submissive to them, it's an issue of my pride. That's what it comes down to a lot. I know just as good and well what the president, as good as the president knows. I'm just as smart as he is. I'm just as smart. I know everything that the elders know. I, I'm just as smart as they are. I don't need to be subjected to them. I know everything just like they know it. You know, the older I get, the more I realize, the more I don't know. <laughs> when I was 18, I said, hey, I know it all. Just ask me. Ask me any question, I can answer it for you. But that's, the, that's what the heart of this really is, is my pride is not allowing me to be submissive to the authority over me. And we all know that pride is something that God hates. It's one of the things God hates is a proud look. Pride cometh before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. But the main thing I want us to take away from this this morning is this. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities exist are appointed by God 
Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. God has set up authority over you. You may not always agree with that authority. You may not always understand that authority. But God has set it up. It's our job to be subject to him. And if we're not subject to him, it's just like we're not being subject unto God. We need to be subject to the authorities that are over us. Now, when it comes down to it, though, we obey God rather than man, but we do it in a Christian way. We don't do it in a vehemently vile way. We do it in a way that Jesus would do it. That's what it comes down to. There have been authorities set up over you. In the church, at your job, even if you own your own company, you have authorities over you. I used to think my dad had the best job at work because he owned his own company. He didn't have anybody he had to answer to. He goes, son, I have over 500 customers I have to answer to every day. <laughs> There's always somebody to answer to. There's always somebody that's going to have more power. There's always somebody that's going to have authority. And that authority has been set up by God, and he expects you to respect it. As I close this morning, Mike mentioned that I, I recently switched jobs. Uh, because my employer wanted me to work every Sunday this summer, and I told him that's not something I was willing to do. But you know what? I respected his right to ask me to do that. He had something that he needed done for the company. You know, when I was about 17 or 18, I handled something very, very differently. I was working at Walmart. I was stocking produce. And they decided that they needed to change my schedule. And before I even started, I told them I go to church on Sundays and Wednesday nights. I can't, I can't work those nights or, do, or, or Sunday. I can't work Wednesday night or Sunday. Well, I was one of the veteran people there, so they told me, I really need you on Sundays from now on. And instead of being respectful, going and talking to them, saying, hey, that's, nothing, that's not something I needed to do, you know what I did? I just stopped showing up. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know what? I told you beforehand, too bad. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to call you. I've already told you I couldn't do this, so I'm just not going to show up. I handled that wrong. <laughs> I handled that totally wrong. But what I handled right was this time. And I learned from it. That's why I handled this one a lot differently. I didn't just stop showing up. Because that's not God, what God would want me to do. Authorities may ask you to do things you're not willing to do. And that's fine. Especially with your job, that's fine. You can go find another job if you want to. But respect the authority that God has put over you. Be subjective unto it. Because if you're not, it's just like you're uh, rebelling against God. You know, this isn't a very pleasant subject all the time because we don't like thinking that we have people that rule over us that we have to be in subjection to. But it's just the, it's just the way of life. There are people that you are to be subject to. Whether it be your boss, the elders, God, the government, there are people you are to be subjective to. Subjective to. It's just the way God expects you to be. He doesn't expect you to be vile. He doesn't expect you to be disrespectful to these people. If they go against what he wants you to do, you're to obey him. But respect the authorities he's put over you, and your life will be so much better. Instead of being, you know, in that verse about the elder, he says it's going to be unprofitable for you not to be subjective unto him. And I can say that in a lot, in a lot of this context. It's going to be unprofitable for you not to be subject to the government of the United States because... They don't bear the sword in vain. 
they have the right to enforce the laws as they see fit. Even the laws we don't agree with. Even the laws we would change. You know, there was a, a man that, I, that was a Christian who just did not want to wear a seatbelt. When they made that a law, he just could not figure out why they wanted him to wear a seatbelt. He was an evangelist, one of the guys my dad ran around with, and he got a ticket when he was holding the meeting in Princeton for not wearing a seatbelt. But you know what? No matter where he went, if he got pulled over not wearing a seatbelt, he sent the money in for the ticket no matter where it was at. Because he knew they, they had the right to do that. It wasn't something he agreed with, but he wasn't disrespectful to the police officer whenever he came to the window and said, hey, you weren't wearing your seatbelt. He wasn't disrespectful to say, oh, I'm not just going to pay that. Because he knew they had the right to enforce the laws the way they saw fit, even the ones he didn't agree with. And that's the way we need to be. So if you're having a problem with your pride, maybe your pride's not letting you be in submission to the people that have the authority over you, we need to work on that. Because it's not going to be profitable for us to not be, subject, be in submission to the people that have that authority. It's going to be unprofitable. And if we can help you, won't you come as we stand and sing?